Amen. Hallelujah. Let me just talk to Rose, uh, maybe briefly, as the Spirit will lead this morning. And I'm sharing a walking through the shadow of death. Hallelujah. You know, it's a common psalm, but the Lord taught me something from it, and I want to share that with you. It's a common psalm, Psalm 23, from verse 1 to number 4. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He lifted me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Jacques says, it's a common passage. So what does it mean to walk through the shadow of the valley of death? You know, commonly when we read the scripture, we talk about troubles, we talk about calamities. Yes, that's part of it. It's trouble, it's calamities. It's dangerous. But is that truly what David was talking about? Oh, sure. Saul was after the life of David. Sure, that's true. And so, well, David could be walking through the shadow of the valley of death, whatever it is. But I want us to look at the scripture critically this morning. He had all his troubles. Yes, all manner of troubles befell in David. But let me say something here as I progress. How many of you understand David really functioned in a three-dimensional level of ministry? David was not only a king. He was also a prophet. He was not just a musician. He was a priest. Somebody say how? Because as a priest, he could eat the bread that was made for only the priests. Did you understand that? <laughs> when he met the king and said, he was coming with his people, said, well, there is nothing except the, the, the holy bread or whatever that is made for the priest alone. I said, come on, let me have it. And Jesus made reference to that in the book of Matthew, I think, chapter 12. He said, have you not read how that David... Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? So what I'm trying to make you understand is the language of David should not just be structured into some, uh, I don't know, they are prophetic and they were beyond his age. So he wasn't all the time just talking about the problems he was facing or the problem was passing through. No, they were prophetic. For instance, if you look at the book of Psalm 22, it was prophetic about the death of Jesus on the cross. But David said, Psalm 22 was all about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That was the prophetic dimension that David was operating in. So you don't read the book of David sometimes with just the mindset of what was happening to him or the problem was passing through. So when he said, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Then we think, okay, David was passing through this problem. And sometimes too, maybe as a shepherd boy, the, what, he said, was it dear we talk about this morning? Dear the shepherd, which one came to catch the, the sheep? He said there, right? Now, 
But that is not just all that David was talking about. I'm going to read about two or three scriptures that you can understand what he had in mind when he talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, can you talk with me to the book of Matthew? I told you something, don't you ever forget it. What you cannot truly prove from the new or the old cannot make a good doctrine. If you want to have a balanced doctrine, you're going to have it from both ways. There must be the shadow and there must be the real. If you don't see the real, then there can't be a shadow. Amen? Okay, Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from verse number 13. Matthew 4 from verse number 13. Now, this is Jesus. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is among the sea coast in the borders of Zebulun, and Naphtalim, that he might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now hear that. The people who sat in darkness saw great light. Are you there with me? And to them we sat in what? In the region of the shadow of death. Light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, now watch this. Watch this. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Now, we are told here, Naphtali and Zebulun, we are also in the shadow or in the region of the shadow of death. So, what does that mean? If we are always liking what David said to be problems, what was happening to these people? Are you saying they were being killed, persecuted, and how the kind of trouble that David would have had? Absolutely not. So what does it mean to walk through the shadow of the valley of death? It's not necessarily a problem. It's simply ignorance. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to be showing you some things now. And it's a serious thing when I say this because I know it will bring some conflict to your mind. What do you mean? If that is just the only thing, how could David be saying that? Now hear this. So the Jews, death is standing between us and Christ. No, Christ says the light. When Christ came into that place, the Bible said they saw what? Great light. Did you get that? Now, without the light, there can be a shadow. Is that alright? If, if there is no light, you can find a shadow in the true sense. It all depends on the degree of light and the darkness available. Is that alright? Okay, now, look at it critically. The Jewish people... As at the time they were in what they were, Christ was not yet available. So they were in the shadow of death in the sense that they do not really know the mind of God. Amen? They were walking by the law. That is simply, and funny enough, nothing more than ignorance, vice, and sin. So David said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of this ignorance of who the future is but I can prophesy about the light I'm just under this law being bound by all kinds of traditions and customs 
that I know this is not my life. He said, but you are with me. The Lord is with me in the midst of this shadow. The Lord is with me in the midst of this ignorance. And he said, I read the scripture this morning. He said, he ordered my footsteps in terms of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't know how to live, but he knows how to cause me to live for him. So David was saying, I'm working in the midst of Jewish people who are so blinded to that which God intends to do. I can live my life in the way I'm living it. You are with me. I'm walking in the shadow of the valley of death. Praise the living God. That is completely intellectual darkness. Misery which has power to rule over your life. Some of us are so intellectually darkened. And there is a stronghold that are taking grip of our lives that we can't shift paradigms. That's big shadow of death. Amen? It's difficult to make decisions right. You are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You are in the midst of it. Look at this. A companion that live in the region of the shadow of death has seen what? Great light. So when Christ bursts into your life, the shadow of death is broken. It's broken. <laughs> when the Christ is formed in you, when it begins to communicate to your spirit, you are no longer walking in the valley of the shadow of death. It's no longer a sound to be quoted. It's fulfilled. <laughs> For companion. That was in the region of the shadow of death. I don't want seeing great lights. And it's over. So you can't be quoted in ourselves a psalm of meditation or something. <laughs> you can do that when you have not yet come to the lights of the gospel of Christ. Amen? Praise the living God. Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? Let me show you something. Just in case you get confused about what I'm saying. Let me read a few more scriptures for you. Exodus 32. 33. Exodus 33. True light, when it breaks forth into your spirit, will disperse every form of darkness in your soul. Glory to God. You will break it out. <laughs> you will walk in such a dimension of life and joy be flowing into your life. And things, you see, there will be a place of communion, constant communion with the Father. The Capernaum that walked in the region of the shadow of their great light has shone forth. Now look at this, Exodus 33, from verse number 12. How when Moses, there's a couple of reading here. When Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring me up these people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Sometimes you can't accomplish ministry without fed God knowing you even before you were born. He spoke to Jeremiah and said, Before you were forming your mother's womb, I knew you to be a prophet. It's not as if God was ignorant. What he's trying to say is, I configured you as a prophet before you were born. He didn't say, I knew you, like I say, if he's trying to remember something. When the Bible says, God remember Noah, that doesn't mean God forgot Noah sometimes. God doesn't forget people. Does he forget people? God doesn't. Hallelujah. To remember means to put my bodies together. Remember, some time ago I preached a message of that. Remember that? God remember. Yeah, you can remember it. 
to remember is to bring the members together and package them. That means God doesn't forget. So how could God have forgotten no one? No, no, no. So when he said, God, remember, and when he put him together, he bring him back to where he's supposed to be. To be remembered means to be brought to your real state of being. And so the thief on the cross will say, God, remember me in the kingdom. Put me together. Is that okay? When you are fragmented, you're thinking, when your, your composition is not in order, that is when you say, God, remember me. Put me back together. Huh? And God has to assemble you again. Bring all the parts that are scattered, those bones that are scattered in the valley. And bring them back. That's remembering. And not as if God forgets you. God doesn't forget you. But sometimes your memory will lose your confusion. will be so terrible that you simply don't know what to do. God will remember you. Now here the Bible said. Moses said you know me. You told me you know me by name. And thou hast also find grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee. If I find grace in thy sight. Show me now thy way. That I may know thee. It's a good thing to us to know. You're hearing the voice of God, but that doesn't mean you've known Him. Here is Moses saying, of course, you can talk to me, you give me the commission, but cause me to know you. Now, knowing God is not because you can quote the Bible. Amen? That doesn't mean you know God. You may even be in the church, and that doesn't even mean you know God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So he said, cause me to know thee. Just let me know. It should be a prayer. And you can see that Paul prayed the same prayer. That's an apostolic mindset. He said, that I may know thee and the power of his resurrection. He's not talking of quoting scriptures. He's talking of knowing and coming to the place of intimate relationship. And getting to really know who God is and how he works. And David will say the ways of God, they are all past finding out. Just like Apostle Paul will also say. Hallelujah. That I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Why would why will he be still talking about grace? And already have said, you said I'll find grace in thy sight, and he said that I may find grace. It's like he's still asking for it. Was Moses doubting? Not of course. But when you imagine sometimes the kind of ministry that God is going to give to you, and God is talking to you about, you never need to pray that God will give you grace to accomplish it. Is that all right? Amen. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. <laughs> and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not of hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and the people have found grace in thy side? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. <laughs> Can you get this? Show me what? Thy glory. I want you to take note of that, because very important in what I'm sharing. Show me thy glory. What do you think Moses was asking for? What is God's glory? Hebrews 1. Say, Christ is the express image and the glory of God. Am I right, somebody? It's the one he says, Show me your glory. What was what is asking them? Let me see the Christ. But let's get the answer. <laughs> and he said, I will make all my goodness power before thee, and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. 
And he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Who is the face of God? Christ! So, what does it mean in the first place? To see God's face and die. Say, because no man can see my face and live. That means when you see his face, you do what? You die. Die how? You die to self. It doesn't mean when you see God, you are going to be killed. But when you see God, your life changes. Things die in your life. That is why we say, merely preaching the word doesn't mean you know God. Say, no man can see my face. And you can only behold the face of God in who? In Christ. He said, show me your glory. He said, no, I will show you my face. Look at the next thing he said, verse 21. <laughs> and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand, while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my bad parts. But my face shall not be seen. So what was God showing Moses now? I'm going to give you the covenant. The old covenant. I'm going to reveal to you the shadow of the real. I will show you my bad parts. I'm going to allow you to come into a covenant with me, but it's going to be a shadow of the reason. And that is the shadow that David was now walking in. Are you getting that now? I will show you my bad part. You won't see my face. The glory of God is on his face. His bad part is the old covenant. And so David was saying, I'm walking in the old covenant, but I can behold Christ being with me. And you see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And so, when you look at the book of Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 to 3, say, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, how many of you understand, we've been able to have an understanding of the word flesh in this place? Flesh to us here doesn't mean just carnality. <laughs> and that one of the things that blowed the bishop in South Africa. Amen. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. You don't come to school of Timothy so you can understand. Flesh is not just carnality. Sometimes we say flesh, flesh, flesh. And flesh must die. Flesh must die. You can keep flesh. God can only do that for you. You walk by His grace. You like fast and say you don't want to smoke. You going to fast for three, four days. You come back after one week. You go and buy three pack. And keep flesh. God will help you keep flesh. Amen? Are you listening to what I'm saying now? Now watch this. Watch what I'm trying to say. The flesh is actually religion. Because Paul said in Galatians 3, he was speaking to the Galatians, Oh, you fully Galatians, who have bewitched you. Have you begun in the spirits and ending in the flesh? What flesh were they ending in? Ending in the law. Are you getting that? And then, Philippians 4, Paul was saying the same thing. He said, we are those who have no confidence in the flesh. That though I've been a Roman, born of a Roman, I mean a, a Hebrew citizen, second size and all of those stuff. But I counted everything but what? Dunks before Christ. Flesh is religion. Flesh is the law. So many of us are still in the flesh. We are not in the spirit. We are talking about walking in the light of the gospel of Christ. So what the Bible says here, 
He said, who walk not after the flesh? What is he saying? Who walk not after traditions and customs? Who walk not? Come on. How many of you understand God's righteousness? have nothing to do with poles and, and laws and traditions and things you put down. have nothing to do with God's righteousness. Because if you look at the book of Psalms, the Bible says God speaks righteousness. What is righteousness? He's saying and doing what you say. Is that okay? Because that's what God speaks. Say God speaks righteousness. Maybe I have to share that message with you so that I can understand what it means. So listen to me. You may not be a Jewish person, but you can still be walking in the flesh. Because you find that all your life is going to be controlled by nothing but what? Religion. But I dare to say this. God did not bring us religion in Christ. He brought us a way of life. He brought us reality. Christianity is not and will never be a religion. Religion, to a large degree, worships a man. The Christ is not a man. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? So, what Buddhism? They worship Buddha. Muhammad. Just think about all of those things. One of the characteristics of religion is that they worship the founder. And that is why, you see, the way we adore Christ, God will have to deliver us. Because our adoration is to bring Him into a human form. We make an image of the true God. But God is spirit. Hallelujah. I was sharing with a brother, I don't want to mention the name. He wrote a book about the resurrection and things like that. So I took him up and I said, can we please discuss this book and this chapter? And by the time we finish it, Pastor David, you were right. I wrote that book 17 years ago. Please, if you read it, that book, discard that chapter. Because I got light in what you said. God is spirit, man. He can choose to take any form. He can choose to talk with you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? He can appear in any form. The book of Mark, he said the same thing. He said, appear to them in another form. That means he can change forms. So you can put him in one form. No way, no man. After the flesh, though we have known Christ, but henceforth knowing Him no more. So you can be walking in religion by worshiping one man. But we are not called to worship a man, we are called to live the life of a man that lived some years back. Now in the spirit. And that's the man that communicates, that's the man that leads you, that's the man that, you know, leads you to the part of righteousness, even as you are in this physical world. That's the man that enables you to walk through the same shadow and the valley of death that you are in now. This dark intellectual ignorance about what this, this thing called Christianity is all about. Hallelujah. Walk not out of the flesh, but out of the spirit. For the love of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. Look at that. From what? The law of sin and what? And death. Amen? Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I want you to understand what God is talking about here. I want you to see the picture. This is the same thing. So David was saying, I'm living my life in a cycle. You get that? Up and down. Today I'm in a valley. Next tomorrow I'm up. Up and down. He was walking in a circle. But there is this light that is with me. I know. He was trying to prophesy about the cry that is coming. Say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that I with me. I know Christ is with me. Hallelujah. Are you following this? All right. 
So, if you look at verse number 3, it says, For what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His only Son the likeness of the sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin were in the flesh. Now, let me show you something. In the book of Luke, very quickly. Luke chapter, chapter 1. 76 to 79. Book of Luke chapter 1, 76 79. Now, this is about John, the Baptist in relation as well to Jesus. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give what? Come on, think about that. To give what? Knowledge of salvation on those people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercies of our God. Whereby what? The day spring from on high has what? Visited us. That's the key thing. The same thing that happened in Capernaum is happening to us now. To do what? Verse 79. To give light to them that sit where? In darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. If you are not living in peace, my friend, you are still in the shadow of the valley of death. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? The day spring has visited us and has given us light. And we are walking by reason of the light. So when you come into light, listen to that verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the words, the word of peace. Can you see it? Why is our life the way it is? Light have no reason. But we'll go to church, sir. <laughs> Amen. Christ coming, just like it happened to Companion, will take away the value of the shadow of death. When Christ breaks into your life, that intellectual ignorance and foolishness will be taken away. I prophesy to everybody who is not thinking right this morning. God shall visit you. He shall be alighting into your soul. In the name of Jesus Christ. Foolishness must be driven away from your heart. Listen to me. He says, it's going to guide your feet. It's going to guide our feet onto the way of peace. So there is a way of peace and you need to be guided. You don't ask for it. You are not just praying for it. Your prayers may be in, praying outside of the mind of God, praying outside of the will of God. But when the light breaks forth, He guides you. That means you walk into peace. You're just moving and finding yourself walking into peace and peace showing up. There is a way of peace, my friend. And it takes this light breaking forth into our spirits, into our soul. To guide us, to guide our feet, to guide our feet. In fact, He guides you out of trouble and into peace. And it does that to the people who sit in where? In darkness and in the shadow of death. So Psalm 23 is a good prayer point. It's a good thing to recite. But I came to announce to you. You don't only just keep on reciting it. You must come to realize that the valley of the shadow of death have been broken in your life when Christ rose from the grave. When the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, a new light broke into your spirit. Now you know who you are. I'm a child of God. 
One thing has kept me going since I got a revelation and I've been sharing it in this place. Teach us to pray. Say, our Father which art in heaven. Now I know His Father is my Father. Because He said His word, our Father. And I just rest on that. He is my Father. I have nothing else in this world. He is my Father. I just think about Him as be my Father. And that's all I want to know. He is my Father. See, so when you pray, just under you have this understanding. It's light, it's a revelation. It's personal to me. It may not have come to you, but God is my father. Hallelujah. Are you following that? And he said, We guide you under the word of peace. So you struggle for so many things, but why not you just allow the light to break forth? I came to allow Christ to come into your spirit, Christ to come into your life. Let him begin to guide your feet. Let him guide your walks. Let him monitor your movement. Let him do it. He will guide you into the way of peace. So for those who start in darkness, great light have risen. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? So you can understand what David was really saying when he said the same thing. He made me to lie down in green pastures. You know what that really means? Well, pastor is not actually just talking about pastor in terms of grazing land. It means a home. He gives me rest in my home. The same thing. When he said in Psalm 23, he maketh me to lie down in green pasture. The, the Hebrew word is not all. Not all means a home. Figuratively, a grazing field or pasturing. God gives me a home. If God gives you a home, you have a home. That's why I said, except the Lord build. Can you get that now? Can you get that now? That is what he means by pastor. He maketh me to lie down in great pasture. Means he gives me rest in my home. You may quote Psalm 23 and you don't have rest in your home. Because the light has no reason to guide your feet under the way of peace. So it's not by quoting it. But by allowing him to come in. Is that, is that okay with somebody? By allowing him to come in, then he will guide you. He will build the house. Because they are able to build a building, except the Lord build him a house. Look at what he told David. Say, I will build you a sure house. And that's what he was still talking about here. The sure message of David is part of building him what? A house. So when he say, he make me to lie down in green pasture, that means I'm comfortable in my home. It doesn't matter what Saul did. God gave him a green pasture. Come on, am I talking to somebody now? Why? Because he knew the light. Though I walked through, what he was saying is, I know I'm in an old order, but I'm living in the new order. Hear me rightly this morning. Though I walk through, that's the key word you must begin to understand. Though I walk through the valley, I may be a part of these people, but my life is not structured with this part of these people. I may be a Jewish person, but my frequency is Christ. He was speaking of something ahead of his age. It's like Apostle Paul was saying, I was born out of due season. He was saying, I'm seeing a glory of a higher church, but I'm born into this moment. I wish I was born later. Say, I'm born out of time and out of due season when God wants to reveal himself. David was saying the same thing here. Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. Because thou art with me. And you make me to lie down in green pasture. It doesn't mean you are building me a home. And remember what he told David. He said, through you, I'm going to establish a kingdom. Can you get that? 
from generation to generation and ended up in who? In Christ. So this is what he was saying. He was just not just making some prayers about Saul. He was seeing something beyond his age. He was seeing ahead of time. He was seeing Christ coming. He was seeing the light coming. And he said, even though I'm still behind some thousands of years, but I can still walk in the light. My friend, let me tell you, faith is not tomorrow. Faith is now. He had made this morning. Somebody was speaking to me a few days in Lagos, and I told him, I said, God is not the God of the future. Hey. And he said, what do you mean? I said, God does not believe in tomorrow. He said, what do you mean? I said, God is now. He said, that which was, that used to be, is now. God is not yesterday. God is not tomorrow. God is now. Why is it so? Let me tell you something. Your future, you can make provision for today. By the way you think and what you do. So you don't wait till tomorrow to become asking God for something. If you need it, it is now. What do you want your tomorrow to be? So David was saying, I don't, I'm living beyond the age you have in mind that I can live with Christ now. He's still guiding my feet and building me a house. Though I'm seeing some thousands of years behind. So David was a man of faith. God is not a God of it tomorrow. God is now. <laughs> Are you following what I'm talking about? Listen. Even if you want to be a rich man tomorrow, when do you start planning? So why are you waiting tomorrow to pray? You will just miss out. Do you understand that? You, you understand? Your tomorrow is today. David saw it. I may be walking an age where nothing is working, but I have a future. Because Christ's light is with me. You are waiting for tomorrow. Your tomorrow will never come. Because every tomorrow is another tomorrow. Can you get the picture? Come on, it is today. Help me tell you, it is now. Not tomorrow. It's lay hold. Your tomorrow you can lay hold on now, not tomorrow. You lay the foundation. Let me say, I see something great. I'm living in that realm already. I may seem not to be there. But I know you are with me. And you are already building me in a house. And I will rest even now. Men may not understand why I'm resting. But you are building me a house. Hallelujah. He doesn't have to wait. He has to rest in his age. He has to rest in his time. He can speak to his children. God built David a house. He was speaking about himself. Because of the light of Christ that was operating in him. Grace is not something that was just coming 2,000 years ahead. Or bad grace has always been there. No, I find grace. Did he find grace? And so the person said, so what do you want me to do? I said, whatever you want to do, do it now. <laughs> I don't have to tell you what to do. Do you want a future? I say, yes, fine, start now. <laughs> you want millions tomorrow, you invest today. Am I right? So why you want you wait until tomorrow to pray and fast and get some coconut oil, some olive oil and lay hands on you till your head become bow-headed and things like that. Free babbing saloon from pastor's hands. You don't need all of that. You are a child of God, born into a family. You have an inheritance. There is a lot for you. The light of God will make you see the lot that you have in your father's house. And you can lay hold on it. It's a quickening spirit that comes to the mind. And the prodigal son, no, no, they can't be here. Eating swine's food. So when he came to his senses, when he came to his mind, he said, I must go back to my father's house. That's the answer to his problem. He didn't need any deliverance to do that. 
Mm-mm. Didn't need anybody, no third party. It's a business between you and your father. All you need to pray, God, may I know you. Just like Moses will pray. Just like Paul will pray. Let me know who you are. And stop being deceived, being fooled around by all manner of traditions and teachings. I'm here to see to it that Christ is formed in your life. Because that is the ultimate of the gospel. I travel in bad pain, until Christ will what? Formed in you. Walk in the light of the Christ. Walk in the light of the world. Say, those who sit in darkness, great light have risen. Hallelujah! No more shadow of death. When light breaks forth, intellectual understanding will come up. If you have dark brains, I prophesy from today. Something is going to happen in your spirit. Something will happen to your mind. God who created the mind will renew your mind. And you will think as you ought to think. You can't fail anymore in your schools. Hallelujah. Your thinking must be sharpened by this light that is coming to those who are sitting in the valley of the shadow of death. There is light. And that light has come. And that light is Christ. What Moses prayed for you have gotten. Say, show me your glory. Now we got the glory. He said, show me your face. Now we have his face. You know when the Bible says, my glory I will share with no man. You know what it means? He didn't say he will not share with a human being. What the word really means is, I will not share with anybody that is lesser than me. That means I can only share my glory with that which have my own DNA. I will not share my glory with a beast. I will share my glory with a human being who is made in my image. That's what it means when he say, my glory I will share with no man. I will not share with anybody less than my true identity. <laughs> and now we God the Christ the glory. And he's sharing his glory with us. Am I talking to somebody? So when he say, my glory I will share with no man, he's finding his equal in Christ. He that is the Christ. He is a new creature. Now we got his glory. So we can walk in his glory. And the Gentiles are come to the glory of the rising, of the brightness of the rising. And that is what we should be thinking about. Listen to me, people of God. The flood is over. 